Welcome to Dear Warren Podcast, where we do backseat parenting. We share stories, principles, parables, lessons, and pass them down to my son Warren. But most importantly, we try to have fun and hope you all do too. We want to thank everyone for tuning in. It means a lot to us uh, that people give us a listen. We do this mainly for Warren, but at the same time, it's wonderful to share these conversations with everyone and hearing from you. I know for me personally, having discussions with all the guests has made me a better person. And we can't thank you all enough and say how much we love you. This episode features the wonderful Jessica. Jessica is a martial artist, a digital marketing strategist, strategist, and mixes marinara sauce with Alfredo sauce when she doesn't have a pink sauce. Jessica is back and graces us with her presence, and we went into a deep discussion about the latest happenings with Warren, Halloween, doing yoga, and why Jessica wants to have a chicken named ravioli. So, please enjoy as we present to you the wonderful Jessica. This is the Dear Warren Podcast. Everything hurts. Everything hurts. Especially on me. We're just old. I'm old. You are old. Even the, And you know how I'm getting old because now I'm doing yoga. You hippy-dippy yoga doing. Although it's not, not really the, the, the stereotypical yoga. What are you doing? It's the DDPY, he likes to call it. The D-D-P-Y. Diamond Dallas Page <laughs> yoga. And Diamond Dallas Page is? Oh, for the, for those of you who don't know, you should know that the Diamond Dallas Page is uh, a, f- a former three-time, three-time, three-time world uh, champion in professional wrestling. Yeah. And uh, in, in the middle of all of uh, that ruckus career, he broke his back. Really? Like legit broke legit, it? Legit broke his back. And uh, that, this was before he won the world title for the first time. And um, uh, just to recap, he started late. He joined professional wrestling when he was 35. He was There's, a club promoter, bar yeah, promoter? Nightclub, nightclub, nightclub owner, owner. Just a nightclub yes. owner. And he joined really late. Uh, he uh, obviously was going against a lot of younger, uh, more athletic talent, broke his back, was told he would never wrestle again. And basically, he and you know, this is just his anecdote. He taught himself yoga, taught himself a restorative method of working out, which was heavily based in yoga, and uh, got back in the ring and became three-time world champion and uh, has a bunch of success stories, as you would see on YouTube. And, and now is being broadcast daily in our living room. <laughs> and he sucked me in with his marketing. Yes, and, he did. He did a good job. And all, although he did, he, he did a very good job with the marketing and... Now, um, uh, uh, there's like a specific workout that one of the WWE wrestlers does, Sheamus. Um, and just for a half hour, I just follow along. I grunt and yep. I breathe. Oh, oh. Everything popping and cracking in the back. Thank you, Hobbs. Yes. Thank you for deciding to take a drink right now. <laughs> We've been but, here for hours, but right now. But enough about me because uh, we are featuring... Um, our, our wonderful Jessica. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that we haven't heard from in a while as far as being featured. That's true. It's been a while. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. I feel like I've been busy, but I, I always joke that I always on a Friday, everyone's like, what are you doing this weekend? And I'm just like, uh, like my brain. I'm like mm-hmm. a lot, but I couldn't tell you. And then I sort of start to think, oh my God, I have this, this. 
So I just feel like, especially now with Warren getting older and, you know, holidays coming up and things, I just, I'm in a whirlwind. I can't remember if I'm coming or going. I have no idea. Is this just a matter of work picking up itself and then you just having to get out of like work mode and then back into family mode and then work mode, family mode, flipping between the two? Yeah. I mean, it work's been busy, but you know, I enjoy it being busy. It's, I do well with it being busy. I just think it's, it's busy. So let's say when you don't have kids, like your work is busy, but then you sort of lessen the other things that you're doing. But now obviously we have a kid, so it becomes like, even if work stays the same, everything else increases you know, events. Like we went to a firefighter. Um, it's like whatever fire safety week this week. So the town that we live in had a, you know, where they have all the fire trucks and the police cars and the like kids an open house, right? Yeah. Like an open house. So there's that, which obviously we would never have done before, or there's, you know, this festival and this thing. And, um, you know, one year you have the kid and now he's older, he wants to do things. So you're like, Oh, let's go to the park. Let's go to the library. Let's go to the bookstore. Let's go here. Let's go there. Oh, haven't had dinner with this, you know, this person in a while. So, um, that's everyone's plate, obviously. Um, but it's been busy. It's been just really busy. Um, and we so, had a semi busy weekend as well too. We, we had, did. we had friends visit mm-hmm. up from Virginia. One of our former guests, yep. uh, uh, Mr. Ryan Maple. And, uh, as he worked in security, as far as uh, with uh, software and technology, <clears throat> and vis- visited us from the wonderful world of Virginia and letting us know how it is being in how many acres? I forgot how many. I think acres he said they have. four. Four acres they have. And what we asked, and he goes, it's everything New Jersey isn't. Right. And do you remember some of the highlights that he gave? Well, I think he was saying that, you know, it's obviously not busy, not, you know, everyone's much calmer and or hospitable, nicer, that sort of Southern hospitality. There's not a lot of traffic. Obviously, there are monetary differences in terms of property taxes and things. But I think I asked sort of, what's the one thing that sucks? And he's like, the internet. Oh, yeah. Go into that. <laughs> uh, where they are in, you know, they're outside of, I guess, um, a smaller town, but a town nonetheless. And they pay for, I guess, satellite Wi-Fi. I, for, I forgot It might the be the wrong type. semantics. So don't, you know, hold me to this one. Basically, it's not like a hardwired internet. It is wireless. And there's a company that has the monopoly. And it's like eight up, two down, yeah, eight down, eight, two up. I, I forgot. But it's a, it, an extremely low rate of transfer for the price that they're paying compared then, to what we, us in a metro right, area. So pay, do you know pay. what we do? We get, we have like 300 up or something for I like 50 bucks. Um, they pay a hundred dollars for a fraction of what I feel like most people listening would have. And it's the trade off, right? There's no hope of getting any more anytime soon. I think they're trying to get creative, but you can't actually get internet to rural areas because there's as far no, as like running the cable, correct? Because there. there's no, and I there's air no, like, population density, obviously mm. the, the, what we're learning is obviously the internet companies need to make money in order for them to make money back on the cost of infrastructure need to get enough customers to pay them, you know, to recoup the costs. And I think where they live, there's just not enough people. But what I thought was really interesting that I didn't know is that this area of Virginia is like the internet, like the capital, like develop oh, tech. Yeah. What is it? Probably about 20 minutes out from them is like the data center capital of the, the U.S. You're talking where Amazon, they run their uh, Amazon web services, AWS. You're talking a lot of cloud infrastructure. And in case any of you guys are, whoa, what are you talking about? Just think Netflix, like all the stuff, all the movies, it's stored out there. Yeah, I mean, I was about to say, like, give me examples of what, when AWS goes down, what goes down? Yeah, like, if, if Facebook, that, data, if that data center get, get gets hit out there, then, yeah, we're, of course, they have some type of redundancy. They have backups in different regions. But the main region, a lot of those data centers are, are 
about 20 minutes out from where he lives. I remember, I think, if you remember years ago, we were at a friend's wedding. We went, flew down to Florida. We were driving up to Georgia, and we had sort of heard that the data center went out. In, there was an electrical storm, yeah. In the Northeast. And redundancy or not, I think things went down for Absolutely. a couple hours. Yep. And it's, you know, it's interesting that our, as much of redundancy or as advanced as we are technology-wise, an electrical storm took out an entire infrastructure in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. And how does that whole discussion that we had about living out there in, uh, in the, this is, that's basically the country. Yes. And um, why don't you describe your pie in the sky scenario of how you, you're obviously with this hustle and bustle here in the metro area. You obviously think about, you know, almost romanticize right. something else. What's your romantic vision? So I think to, to explain my romantic vision, I'm going to take you back to sort of where I used to live versus where we live now versus where this pie in the sky idea of where, you know, we could live next is, is that I lived in a very densely populated area. Is it a city? No, it's technically a town. But for example, when we had our apartment in that same town, you're talking fire trucks driving down the street you know, four feet from your window. You can, you can get semi-specific, right? Can't you do county? Yeah, no? I mean, Hudson County. So right go. across the river from New York City. Um, well, I don't live there anymore, so see caucus if anyone's looking. Um, <laughs> you know, fairly densely populated, a lot of commuter traffic. The city, you know, the town swells to, you know, 50,000 or more. And, you know, there's only 10,000 people living there. It's one square mile. The residential area is about one square mile. It's a peninsula, water on three sides. And, uh, you know, it's just, and we, I lived in more sort of the entry to the town. So right upon what's the county road, which sort of connects to all of the commercial and industrial area of the town and the swamplands where it's one of the reasons why um, Secaucus has low property taxes is because we have a lot of things you don't see, the train stations and Goya and used to be Panasonic. Um, and the entry transit buses, like I, you know, when I grew up in an apartment complex, um, just the cars and you know, the hustle, it was across the street from the firehouse. So every time the fire bell would ring and the police sirens and we have an eight o'clock bell. So every eight o'clock. So it's just a lot of noise. I remember when we were living there mm-hmm. for, for a bit, I do remember in the morning, maybe like 6 a.m., maybe even a little before that, the bus that would always come by. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that downshift. Oh, yeah. Every morning. Every morning. And uh, car alarms and... And things, you know, I went to school in North Bergens. My, my car getting hit by the school bus oh, repeatedly. Oh, twice, twice, right? <laughs> <laughs> and one time the guy t- tried to deny it. Oh, that wasn't me. I'm like, yeah, it was you, Frank. So Zegokas <laughs> is notorious for having um, roads that are not, shouldn't be two ways, but they are. So Eki's side mirror was swiped twice, twice by a school bus. Not just, not just the side mirror. I mean, like there were, there were yeah. points where like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like I had to call in. I'm like, yeah, I'm not making it into work today. I can't. I can barely drive this. Oh, yeah. I mean, you would think it would be like, oh, one time, like, we're exaggerating. It actually wasn't it was it, bad. It, it looked like uh, uh, like the Black Panther took a roundhouse kick to the side of my uh, car. Just, just this gash. And so you just think of just a very sort of busy mm. environment, especially during the week with sort of all these people, you know, very houses very, very close together. So when we moved from Secaucus to Nutley, which is where we live now, um, I thought I was moving to the country. I was like, wait. It felt like it. It felt like it. Like we had a, a yard, a small one, but we had a yard and there were trees and there was a park and there were squirrels, like so many squirrels. I was not used to seeing this many squirrels. <laughs> Neither was Hobbs. No. And I mean, I've seen a raccoon in real life. I mean, it's, it's quite it's quite a groundhog. These things you never got in Secaucus. So um, we, uh, so this was the country for me. I mean, that was back in 2013. We're five years later. Now I'm itching to go a little bit, itching to go a little more remote. So now growing up in Secaucus, 
I obviously, we've talked about this a lot. I was a big video game person. My favorite video game was Harvest Moon. Now, Harvest Moon, for those who don't know, is a farming, like, precursor to Farmville without sort of the pay-to-play mobile, you know, friendly version. You get to manage a farm. You get to manage a farm. Inventory management. Inventory management, very simulation-based. You had animals, you upgraded tools, you upgraded homes, you courted relationships. It was very much a um, become a farmer. Loved it. Loved it. Still, still totally love it. Stardew Valley, the latest iteration indie game based on Harvest Moon. I have 100 hours into it. We've covered it. Yeah, we have covered it. We have it in more games. For Persnipia, right? (sighs) Our land of parsnips. So there is an affinity in my heart for these sort of farm type, you know, archetypes, right? These sort of stereotypical farm, have chickens, have animals, um, have space. And I think as I've grown older, and it's because it's what I didn't have, right? So if you mm. say to take it in com- contrast. A little bit of the grass is greener correct. complex. I have a very romanticized view of what that would be if we had Go on. a, now, you know, you're thinking I'm saying like bigger or better. I think for me at minimum, if I had to like say what I feel Go ahead. <laughs> I want next is I would love to have just land space. I would love to have the option to have a garden, have chickens. I'll stop there because I really don't know. Have, uh-huh. a, have, a, have a workshop or have a garage. You know, we don't have a garage. Like these things where I think almost like the self-sufficiency. Granted, I started this podcast by telling you how little time and how tired I am. <laughs> so don't think, you know, it's a, it's a very romanticized view of a lifestyle that's not what we currently have. Um, with that, I think I am also smart enough to realize with that comes more work, more responsibility. You give up things to do that. What did you realize after talking to uh, Ryan and Christy as they were explaining life out there? Well, I think their view of the you know the life out there would be different than ours. You know, mm-hmm. we're a little different in, in a couple different ways. You know, the internet's a big one. <laughs> I was about to say. I like my internet. Yes. Um, and I think that my biggest thing is, you know, what I, with what I current do for work, I could I could live anywhere. But what happens if that's not what happened, you know, what my job is forever, right? Then you immediately, from being in marketing and advertising. And oh, you're thinking from the practical standpoint. Oh, I'm too, being go, too practical. Go, go into the romanticized part. So you have your chickens. You have your, you, you wanted to name them too, right? I did. I wanted to name them after, what was it? Ice cream flavors. Ice cream flavors, yes. <laughs> Pistachio, <laughs> butter pecan, mint. Come on. Lemon. Uh, well, lemon's not really Because nice. you do that in the video game, right? I do, I do. Coffee bean. <laughs> what else? Ravioli. Come on, it'd be awesome. Imagine wait, if you wait, had wait, a, wait, wait. What was that last one? If you had a chicken named ravioli. But that's, that's, that's not ice cream. All right. <laughs> Food items. I can expand it. But imagine. He has I'm like a imagining. red beak and he's like white and call him ravioli. Oh, Put oh. a little pasta sauce on him, eat him oh. up. <laughs> I think I do. I do like the self-sufficiency, like the uh, homestead a- aspect. As I get older, I think I'm becoming more intimately aware of consumerism, which really I didn't care about before. You think? You think that that's what the 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 other drive for it is? Because you were saying that a lot of this is like what you don't have. So you're thinking uh, you could probably imply and probably putting words in your mouth that there's you have too much consumerism right now. I think that I become intimately aware. Maybe it's because you have kids and you see all the packaging, everything comes in, or you just kind of feel like, you know, the more you read about nutrition, the more you read about 
cancer causers, the more you read about environmental factors and overall health, and I'm not an expert, so I have no stats to quote you on, you just kind of think maybe it's just better to try to do, sort of get it more from the source. Does that, does it necessarily mean you have to move out into the country to do so? It just means you probably have to drive an hour to pick up some eggs from a farm. I mean, we're not in the middle, you know, it's not like these things are inaccessible to us. I think they require a little bit more effort. And then because of where we live, probably an increased cost versus doing it yourself. Right. So there is something, you know, I did ask, um, our, you know, our friend Ryan, cause he was talking about, you know, potentially having chickens and he had said, you know, they had sort of, you know, sought out when they first sort of bought the house that they were going to do something like that. And he said, you know, but I can walk down the road and buy them like stupid cheap from the farm next door, like the people next door who have chickens. So I can see it there too, is that you don't actually have to be the chicken whisperer <laughs> to get fresh chicken eggs. Um, you know, there's other methods and you talk about things like farm co-ops, um, I've never participated them in previous offices I had worked in where it basically is a farmer that comes and delivers crates of produce that you buy in advance as part of a co-op. So I think there are ways that we can probably integrate that into our current present situation that we've really not explored. Um, but I think that's something that always I think about sort of the, the self-sufficiency aspect of because I feel like we're, you know, even though we're more rural than we were, like it's still a concrete jungle and it's just hard to. I don't know. But like, once again, that's my romanticized view of it all. I would uh, even bargain with you. And I think we've, when we did, when we did talk about this, I think uh, everyone talks about this, right? Like what's next? Yeah. Um, But as far as moving out into the country, it's, it's kind of like, it's a big, it's it's a couple of jumps from where we are right now. Correct. And then I was saying, let's take baby steps. Right. Let's go out and, uh, you know, rent a cabin in, some type of uh, country, countryside for a weekend. See if you can even tolerate it. See how, <laughs> remember when your eyes just went wide when it said, yeah, the internet sucks. You're like, oh no, that's a... <laughs> that's a deal breaker. No, that... it's not. But it's interesting. I would never have thought because of, you know, Virginia being the data center capital of the country, I mm-hmm. just wouldn't have thought, oh, well, it does make sense, but I just didn't realize it was that bad, I guess. As far as the remoteness of, of it all, I mean, I think they had a minimum as far as, uh, uh, like, here, obviously, all the houses are packed up on top of each other. And he, he had mentioned that. What, it, don't they have, like, a specific zoning law where it says a, a house or some type of uh, their, mm-hmm. their building code? They can't be Closer within, than a couple acres. A couple acres? I think it was three acres. Wow. Yeah, you know, so I think that that is just, you know, that says something. And, you know, this is just going from New Jersey to Virginia. That's only a four-hour drive, and that's they're not in the boonie boonies, right? Mm-hmm. Never, they're, they're still next to civilization. I, I remember I, that was one of the first questions I asked They're 15 them. minutes away from strip malls and things. Yes. It's not, you know. A Chick-fil-A and uh, a Chipotle or something. I forgot what it was. But I think that, I mean, take that and then even go more extreme, like Washington State, Montana, Wyoming, Oregon, mm-hmm. where I think, you know, that becomes exponentially more rural. You know, that's a whole other step. Like, to your point, that's like a gajillion steps down the road. And, of course, those people want to come to the cities because they're, you know, it's all relative, I think. I think, like I said, when when I did that one, uh, the last one uh, podcast with uh, Mike Whitmire, and he was talking about foraging for mushrooms mm-hmm. and getting very in, in, into it nature, uh, I was joking around with them that I'll go on a hike as long as I get to play with like a, like a GPS doodad at, at the end of it, or I get to play with some type of uh, fire starter or some little bit of tech at the end. Just give me dangle the carrot at the end of the, the hike. And I think that's a way to 
get me a little more accustomed into uh, that type of remoteness. You know, I, I don't think it's the... I don't mind the countryside. I think it's more so, as you said, we're just so used to the hustle and bustle. I think I would be... Uh, I'm, and we even talked about it a bit tonight when we were, we were with some of the family and they asked, Oh, do you, do you want to like work remote? And it's kind of like remote sounds great. It's like, Oh, you know, you don't have to you stay home. You don't have to be in and worry about the commute and the hustle and bustle. have to talk to coworkers or be bothered by them. Part of me actually is, I, I, it's probably a bit of both of I'm used to it and I also enjoy it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, as someone who's worked, completely remote for almost seven years. Mm-hmm. It is something that requires an adjustment. It is something that not everybody is able to do. Um, there's sort of a sink or swim aspect to, to doing something like that. And I have to employ all my interpersonal communication skills to maintain those relationships. I mean, I have to remember everyone's name, who has kids, where the kids' names, what are they involved in, like to tell bridge that gap of the fact that I'm not there, but I'm still connected. Like there are, and then also, can you work when no one's over your shoulder looking at if you can work or not? Can you mm-hmm. accomplish things? Can you, ma- you know, match your time? And most importantly, is the hard part that a lot of people can't do. Like when you close that door or you turn off that computer, do you just switch it off? And admittedly, over the years, I've gotten very good at switching it off. But even there's sometimes, even a couple times a year where there might be something going down. It's very hard, if not impossible. I think that's, uh, some people have asked, like, why don't I take public, like, transit or something? It's probably cheaper, probably goes a little um, uh, quicker. And I've actually gotten very used to driving to mm-hmm. and from. And that bit of a commute is kind of like a, uh, helps me unwind. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. As crazy as that sounds, I think I've mentioned this to you. Like, as soon as I'm done with work, all right, now I get to leave the office, go down. Yeah, I'm stuck in traffic. But for those, you know, an hour in there, from the first minutes all the way to the last minutes, it's, it's kind of like everything just kind of, it gives me an hour just to not think about work mm-hmm. and just be in this, you know, with everyone else. Everyone else is in the same boat as I'm watching everyone switching lanes or almost uh, bumper to bumper or they're about to get in accidents or yelling at each other, honking at each other, flipping each other off. It's not work. Right. It's a different type of stress, obviously. And of course, I'd be like, oh, I wish I was home right now. But then by the time I, I, I do find myself like catching, oh, I'm going to, I got to work on this tomorrow. Oh, no, don't think about it. Don't think about that. Oh, what if I have to, oh, did I leave that program running? No. Uh, but as I get closer and closer to home, boom, then, and you've even seen me on a, on a few days where like you start asking me questions. I'm just like, just give me a minute, hon. Yep. And maybe like five, 10 minutes later, I'm able to now, do you think you need you would need the full hour to do that, or you think if like even if you had a half hour commute, you just needed something to break it up? Depends on the day. Mm-hmm. There are there are obviously days where it's tough day at work, and I'm sure you've had it too. Oh yeah, I've come home and you're still on there, and you're like, I'm sorry, I I, I you you were just typing away, you were still on the phone, whatever it was, and then you stop and you go, oh, and you smile at me as mm-hmm. best you can with a with a effort put into the smile. Oh yeah, right. And you start to talk to me about the day, and then you're like, "Oh, I'm sorry," because you hear your phone buzz. Yep. And then once again, you're knocked. Out. And then you need a bit. I think everyone needs that because you're because uh, you're so focused on what you got to do. Yeah. So. Well, it means we also hopefully it means we do a pretty good yes. job at our job. But see, but yeah, I mean, I think the remoteness is something that comes with challenges Mm -hmm. from an interpersonal standpoint 
And like I said, some people need certain things and some people don't. I think the other piece of it too is that when you make a decision to move away from, I guess what you could say is your home base, there is a family and friend implication. So you need to sort of weigh out, like you're moving further away potentially from friends and family. Oh, yes, yes. So you sort of have to weigh those things, like what, how much, and what's the effort for... Yeah, our, our parents live within 10, 15 minutes easy mm-hmm. of us, so... Like, you, then you're saying, okay, if I move away, that means one of us has to go further in the opposite direction to make those connections, to be there, and those are things, those are, they're like bigger, you know, than yourself. That Not that saying, you know, your parents, like, let's say I talked about my parents, they would want you to sort of stop your future plans for them or anything, but I think, I know a lot of people that do sort of live separately from their parents' states and states away. It also depends on the family dynamic. It is dynamic true. Because, you know, and, and I don't fault them. Some families, like, hey, this part of the family, I, I hate them. You know, I just don't get along with them. So that doesn't fall into place. But then others, um, I've, I've noticed, and I've talked to you about this in, in the past, and I thank you for this. I've seen your family. It's just like a, a tightly knit, like, your your dad was it eight brothers and sisters yeah he's one of eight one of eight and being overwhelmed during the holiday parties trying to remember all their names uh mikey joey and tommy yeah. and danny and georgie and and like all right i'm ecky there you go <laughs> just to make it more complicated yep. <laughs> but uh for some reason i think i stand out amongst all a of them. little bit just a little bit just a tiny bit but seeing that seeing that you know that type of uh uh um, community in the sense of your own tight knit little, uh, community with your family. It made me appreciate what, what my parents are able to do. And and whenever they're able to get their family out every once in a while, whatever, whenever they can. So it depends as as you said, and we even have family that even if they live like 40 minutes away, it, you, we, you can, if we did like, a uh, uh, a distance versus uh, the amount of times we get to see them versus, you know, others who live closer. There's, uh, there's an obvious disparity there. Oh, absolutely. So. Especially when everyone has kids, it's like, you know, how well is a two year old going to do in a car for two hours? That's just in the car. Like, never mind what we do in between. It's, you know, you're, you're taking a gamble. Remember that? Your, your um, parents were even asking about, Oh, how about this place for apple picking? It was mm-hmm. an hour away. And, and, you know, you start, as a parent, you do the calculation. We had, you know, gymnastics in the morning. And then if we do an hour there, that means we have an hour before nap time, which at this point Warren still needs. And then it's an hour back. And then which means he'll maybe nap on the car on the way back. But then it'll be, you if know. If he doesn't, then it's an hour, which means he's. He's crying halfway he's, through. He's got a threshold of maybe 20 minutes. And then the rest is. You know, we're playing, we're Burton playing with fire Ernie at that point. and Burton Ernie in the car trying to, mm-hmm. you know, sing songs. And <laughs> so, so you have to sort of gauge these things. So, and that, to your point, that's only like going, trying to go pumpkin picking an hour away. Yes. Now, I know as they get older, it becomes less difficult. But, you know, like I said, I do know people where they have to fly for holidays or fly people in for holidays. And it's always, you know, scheduling around the next holiday and you know obviously i've never had to travel far but imagine traveling on a plane during the holiday i mean actually having to uh, go through that i mean mean, you when you travel you basically travel during off holiday hours and it's already right and i have it down to a science Uh where we've talked about this before i don't have to talk to anybody like not a human being and it still takes what feels like forever um 
but my threshold might not just be as high as other people's, but it's just, it's, it's, it's complicated. So to go back to our original point is that if I, you know, if we decided to move further away, then the expectation of obviously the amount of that you're going to see people goes down and maybe that's okay, but you have to make that assessment. And then the burden on both sides increases because you want to see them. So who's going to come out and who's going to drive and for what holiday and switch holidays and and then the other factor, which was not uh, uh, <clears throat> part of the, the discussion, is what with Warren. Right. So there are like things that you need in places <laughs> when you have kids versus if you might not have kids. Schooling, daycares, activities, other kids, availability to go play. I mean, if you do live on acres and acres... Like, how do you find the closest neighbor who has a kid your son's age to go play? And what do they do? And where do they go? And I'm sure people figure it out, mm-hmm. right? But it adds a I'm whole... sure it's different than, you know, what we have here. Of course. And I'm, you know, I know that there are community events and things, but those probably might take on a different, what they say, a pizza place next to a picnic basket place next to a farm next to a, <laughs> uh, you know, everyone's trying to sort of capitalize on that Magnolia model. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I think that those are things that also have to come into consideration with those types of moves. Because I think there is such a thing as taking kids too far away from people and community yes. and they sort of lose a sense of self and like the diversity and things that, and the interactions with so many different kinds of people is one of the things I do enjoy about where we live now. So it's like, how do you find a balance between... Mm-hmm. Or do you just maybe not, and you do like, I don't know, people who do, who buy like a cabin somewhere or like a second, not a home, but like a vacation. I don't know what they do. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to Google it. I'm not finding anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, do people just buy a cabin like two hours away and then go there to do cabiny things? Like, I don't even know what people do when you have a cabin. These are the questions we are asking folks. We, we really don't know the answer to this question. So feel free to talk to us the next time. Because we're not fancy enough to have like a second home. Like everyone's like... We're not fancy home. enough to have a you know a, a, a rental cabin. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I see you always glancing over your list of topics that you. I I, I I thank you for being as organized as you always are. I try. And um, as we were discussing this, I love how it's it's disjointed and how we're kind of like all over the place because it was actually a topic I was talking to a coworker during the week of essentially. Um, this medium that we're doing as far as long form conversation, working out an idea that we don't really, we don't even know where it's going to end. We don't know if we're going to succeed with it. We're just, we're taking a flying leap of we're going to sit here and we're just going to talk about it and whatever happens happens, but we're going to do it. We're not going to rely on um, like a, well, yeah, we do have some talking points. We do have some information about it, but right now we're going without a safety net. And I enjoy having ideas spark out of conversations like this. Yeah. So uh, kudos to you for, even though as you, you are uh, saying right now, you're very tired and I appreciate you trucking through this. No, I mean, I'm always tired, so it's fine. Uh, but to your point, I think it's interesting. I mean, I've, I've not been a podcast listener very long and I do sort of occasionally dabble in and out of podcast listening. Like, I really enjoyed, you know, the podcast you had with Chloe. That was really, really great and interesting. Oh, Thank that was you. all Chloe. Thank you, Chloe. <laughs> I mean, I think also, too, I found it more interesting because that's not like, you know, childhood education is not my mm-hmm. profession. It's not even an interest area of mine. Not that I don't they find it interesting is I don't I know nothing about it. So it was really all new information for me. 
Um, so I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I think talk about podcasts, like there are some that I listen to to get like amped up. And there are some that I listen to to sort of learn information. And there are sort of a sprinkling of others where I hear, oh, this podcast was really good. You have to listen to this. So lately, um, the last podcast I listened to for sort of inspiration um, was Joe Rogan and David Goggins. Yes. Which Man. David Goggins, if Go you don't ahead. know who David Goggins is, um, G-O-G-G-I-N-S. I think so. His first name is David, right? Ultra marathon runner and mm-hmm. former Navy SEAL came from nothing. Yeah. I mean, by his own admission, total loser, mm-hmm. um, totally unaccomplished, nothing special. Always gave up in the beginning. And turned himself through sheer willpower, really Literal. sheer willpower. I won't spoil anymore. Um, it's, I think, it's probably a couple, maybe like 20 or 30 podcasts ago. Just look it up and you can find the number online. And then I was still able to get it through the iPhone podcast app. Mm-hmm. Really, really inspirational. And, you know, it's one of the ones where you sort of take a little bit from it. You won't take it all because there are things that they talk about or he says that you're like, I would never. That is crazy. And it is. And mm-hmm. you would never. But there are definitely things there that I found really inspirational. And I would argue that Jacko Willink's podcast is really intense. So that's not for everybody. Uh, he occasionally has guests on that are also really inspirational. I don't remember um, this person's name, but they were wounded in combat. Um, and he ran a marathon every day for 30 days wow. or yeah, 30 days in maybe? a row in a row, just what, to what raise is it, money 26 point, whatever yep, daily to, to raise money wow. for, um, a, like a wounded veteran charity. Did that person do any like permanent damage to himself or no, wow. no. Um, he, I believe is an amputee. So I think he's a double amputee actually. Okay. So that sort of and very inspirational as well. I can't remember his name right now. If you people go, I can mean, look it up. Yeah, it's 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 you know one of those easily internetable things. Um, that was also really really inspirational, um, and sort of sometimes audiobooks and things. I find myself when I listen to Jacko's podcast though, I get like really amped up. Really. And like kind of angry. Yes. Um, not about. I- I don't get amped. Oh, amped up as in angry amped up. Yeah. Not amped up as in like, I want to, I feel so good after no, this. No, <laughs> no. Um, so for those who want to feel good, don't listen to yeah, Jocko. He's, it, it's, uh, there are a lot of like uh, historical war detail. Like yes. Some of the most, the, the biggest atrocities. Correct. So it's one of the ones where you kind of have to be prepared for it. And even the inspirational ones um, sort of make you... Um, it's not like a light inspiration. It's like a, a deep, dark people sort of rising out of the ashes to do incredible things and kind of makes you feel like you should do something mm. bit more with yourself. So I tend to kind of get really angry with myself after listening to those, but it's really not meant for that. It's meant to sort of, for you to just be inspired to maybe do more, be better, um, which are, which are really interesting things. Um, so I would say like, that's one that's also really inspirational. I've been listening to like more audiobooks lately. Yes. Um, I, I sort of took a backseat to that because I was also finding that like as I'm sort of in, in the walks. I, I think I've probably been doing like too many. I need to do like a fiction, like a light fiction at this point. Like I sort of had a string of just really motivational, inspirational, fairly deep, not always like bright mm-hmm. books and podcasts. I need what, to kind of. What were some of them? There was. Um, Option B by Sheryl Sandberg. Sheryl Sandberg was the Facebook executive whose husband suddenly passed away unexpectedly on a trip in Mexico. Her Option B book, which is, I think, the book she published after Lean In, 
I didn't read Lena and I heard, you know, various things about it that was really good. But that one I think was, you know, women empowerment in the workplace. This one called Option B was all about sort of a, a little bit of the science, but a lot of her personal story around perseverance through adversity. But it was just, I liked it. So I try to rate things for myself so I know whether I want to go back to them. And sort of on a scale mm-hmm. of one to 10, it was like between a six and a seven. Which Why is for, that? Well, the issue I think I had, it was, it felt... Granted, it's her memoir. It's her story. So mm-hmm. this is my perspective on that and not to diminish, you know, the words that were on the page. They just felt overly gratuitous mm. in the grief aspects of it. Mm. But I think it's because, guess what? Losing a partner is yeah, overly yeah. gratuitous in grief. Yep. I just felt like sometimes she just recycled a little bit much. Mm-hmm. And granted, I'm listening to it audio. So you have to remember, when you listen to a book audio, it's like six to nine hours of it. Yes. So where I might have been able to read it much quicker, I'm a really fast reader, and I can kind of gloss over like, oh, she already kind of said that. When you listen to it, it's like you get a, it comes up again, and obviously they have voice actors, so she didn't actually read it. They had a voice actor, um, you know, a voiceover actress do her book, um, and it just sometimes would feel like, like you wanted it to end, mm-hmm. but I wanted to do the due diligence. I really try not to stop things midway through, especially if it's just me being uncomfortable with it versus the book really being bad. Okay. So for example, um, the comedian, oh, what is her name? Amy Poehler. I liked Amy Poehler's book. I finished that one. Another one. Um, she's, she was in that movie with John Cena that we watched. Uh, Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. Um, I tried to get through her book mm. and I could not get through her audiobook. Uh-huh. Uh, not because, so this is where I said, I just found it not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, not enjoyable from the sense of like, I didn't like the story she was telling. I just thought it was a bad book, audio or not. Fair enough. Um, wasn't my style. So I, you know, unabashedly decided I'm not going to finish it. It's not really, it's not really doing anything. It just anything. didn't really catch Yeah, you, it didn't so really catch well me. I gave not. it like a couple, I gave it like three hours of a chance yeah. on an eight hour book, like 30% of the way through. And I pushed it to the side. But this book, I was like, oh, I just wanted to end because I was uncomfortable with the gratuitous display of grief. Mm-hmm. Not because it was written poorly or it really wasn't my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. It was more so that I was just ready for it to be over and it wasn't. So I kept listening, right? And I listened all the way through and it was rough. Mm. And still looking back on it, I'm like, I'm never going to listen to that book again. Oh, um, but it was kind of one of the things like sort of those those movies that might be like the titanic or the passion of the christ where i always say i'll watch them once i'll never watch them again Oof. right rough right so yeah, I, I would that, that, i would put, that sounds very rough i would put this sort of granted people can watch those movies i know a really good friend whose titanic is his favorite movie um it's just not for me i i get too emotionally attached and you know i um so this is sort of one of those things so that was one that i had read that i really thought it was going to be more about the perseverance than it was about the adversity and it was a lot about the adversity little bit of the perseverance mm. and i didn't really feel like at the end right her husband's not coming back so it's really like there's no upper at the oh, end of the book man. so it's a good book so if any i mean it's a good well-written book so if anyone's looking Don't for that li- should they listen to it if they need an uplifting story no, okay no but if you need a handbook for grief then you know okay it's not a bad one i would probably say it's better re- read than listened to because mm. i think that there are things where you can put it down be like, read that page. You, you listen to this a lot, like as you were doing other things, right? Like you were focused on another activity. No, so no, you 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 focused. So I listen to audiobooks when I walk hops. Oh, okay. So I can't listen to audiobooks when I'm working. I can't even listen to audiobooks when I do a mundane task. Okay. Occasionally, I'll listen to them when I'm doing dishes or mm-hmm. cleaning, like you know, mm-hmm. 
because that really doesn't involve mental. But anything that involves any sort of mental dexterity, I can't actually uh, listen to the audiobook and actually do anything meaningful. I'm about to let's see if this blows your mind a, a little more. Um, uh, one of our other former guests, John Kempf. Mm-hmm. He even gave me the suggestion. I've tried it a couple of times, and I, I do it from time to time when I need to like catch up. Let's mm-hmm. say if I'm behind by two or three episodes of a podcast, listen to two times, listen to it at two times speed. I've tried it. You've tried it. I can't. It's great. It's I like know. listening to like, as chipmunks, and they're on speed. Um, <laughs> I've tried it. I've tried it. Uh, I think a time and a half I can do. Mm-hmm. Two I can't, or, or one point two five I can do. Two is hard. to be fair. He says you got to get used to it, but once you get used to it, it's like it's it's great. You save a lot of time that way. Oh, I'm sure he's right. And you know, I think if you were probably listening, depends what type of books you're listening to, right? Mm-hmm. So I would argue if it's like educational or maybe like just general like workplace motivation. I'm I'm guessing those are fine at whatever speed. I don't know. I think anything that tells like a story, mm-hmm. I can't process like the visual fast enough. Hmm. I'm a very, you know, I'm, I'm guessing everybody, I think, who reads, draws a picture in their mind around what they're reading, right? So if you take something like Harry Potter, pre-movie, um, those came out when I was in my early teens. You know, you sit there with that book and you're just imagining the whole story in your head. But you're reading at your pace and, and all your mental focus is on it. Right. right. So if I, <clears throat> let's say, you know, his bedroom under the stairs, right? You could literally pause and stop reading and imagine and draw that picture vividly for yourself before you move on. An audiobook, the hard part for me mm. is sometimes even at, excuse me, even at regular speed, I can't draw the picture fast enough because mm-hmm. I want all the detail in it. Interesting. And it really, and then I'm walking hop. So there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. So the idea to maybe like listen to a fiction book at two times speed, I don't, I, I don't, my mind can't You probably do it. have to train yourself to do that. It would be cool. Oh, that'd be an awesome experiment because you already know the story to Harry Potter. <gasps> you should try listening at two times speed. Mm, I Ones do want to read, I want to reread it. You can, re, you can train your imagination to imagine faster. Oh, wow. but it's not going to be that. Wow. Sh- Come on. But do you, you think it's going to be you that good? That. You What's think, that? Do you think the picture you're going to draw is going to be as, as vivid? Absolutely. Well, th- think about things where you can just immediately, you know, it, it come, well, what's that expression? It comes to me in a flash, like, boom, I can immediately re- recall it. If I'm, I think if you train it enough, maybe there's something in you that like really wants like, mm, you, you know, like you're having a meal and like, instead of wolfing it down right away, you're like, mm, yeah, I just want to, mm, I want to savor the flavor of it. Maybe after a uh, uh, a first time read, yeah, you read, you listen to it once, mm-hmm. right? To get that savoring thing, maybe you'll listen, re-listen to a part like, oh, that was a good part. But then, and this is what I do. Obviously, it's different for you because you you've always asked me this. Like you've always asked, like, but you've already seen that movie. Why do you want to watch that movie again? Or why do you want to watch that documentary again? It's uh, the best way I can describe it is like it's so good. I want to I want to experience it again. Mm. And to to pick up all the things that I missed the first time. And then sometimes I want to like test myself. Let's see if I can watch and just like, oh, just, just, let's just pick it up from this scene. Oh, I know the scene. Then I, I can like start reciting it r- right away. It's like a different type of uh, re- <clears throat> re-experiencing the, 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 the content, the art, but in, in, in different ways because that's how much I enjoy it or I want to feel that... Um, that inspiration again or whatever I felt at the time. So I'm thinking maybe it would be actually really cool to see if it's possible for you to listen to it at two times speed. Maybe obviously you're not going to get that same enjoyment as you said of like closing the book and like imagining uh, what, what was that? His room under the stairs. 
maybe you're not going to get that, but maybe there's a way where this, where you're like, oh, this part I remember, this sequence of event happens. And then having it read to me two times speed, it's like this it just flashed by me and i totally looked at it in a different i don't know i don't know i, I, I think, think you know part of me doesn't part of me is like what kind of world do we live in that we have to listen to things at two times speed <laughs> you know and yes. part of me is like that's it you know if you really want to read the book make time to read the damn book I, you know it's the whole thing it's like everyone's so busy but no one has time but really you have time you're just not making the best use of your time that, that's fair enough as well too but I, you know i think that there are people who just if you just want the content right Mm. If you just need the information, mm. then that makes total sense. But I would say something like a Harry Potter series. The information is nothing without the visual. Sure. I just but don't think it, I can think that fast. I can barely, at two times speed, I probably, huh? I don't know you that. Might, I, you might be able to impress yourself. It's I not, challenge you. It's not an accomplishment. <laughs> I, I necessarily, I mean, I'll do it for, for funsies yeah. to see, but... Uh, Although I, I, I think I see it as a cost, I mean, a time-saving measure. I just... I listened to um, uh, Henry Rollins' uh, latest appearance on, on, on Joe Rogan, and he was talking about when he met George Carlin. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and what he learned is that George Carlin, before he did his shows, before he went on, he would mumble the show, his whole set at hyper speed for like a minute. Mm-hmm. So he would, he would just go... And... He even talked about he was in like an actor's troupe. And before the actors went out and they did their show for the night, they'd all get in a huddle. They'd all put their heads together and then mumble hyperspeed all their lives. Oh, yeah. And, and, it's totally yeah. a thing. I used to, I, we used to do it in theater. It's, it's a thing. I, I think it would be... Uh, it's probably the same thing, except now it's being read to you. And now you're, you're, you're hyper... Uh, uh, receive, getting the information injected into you. But that's the, that method is not for information injection. I, that's for memorization. Yes, yes. Pure memorization. Sure, sure. But at the same time, I wonder what would happen in, in your head of... of I think uh, it would devalue. I don't know. We'll try no, it. No, 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 I'll no, report no. back. No, 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 no. I'll report back. I, I, I would say absolutely take your time with the first read. Absolutely take your time <clears throat> with... with uh, um, uh, a first listen mm-hmm. uh, of a book, but then find all these other methods to see. Maybe I don't know. Maybe you'll find that you enjoy it. Oh, perfect example: mm. video games, mm-hmm. speed runs. <laughs> Yo, yes. See, you're like yes. I'm like oh. Uh, go ahead. No, Why you ex- I'm stupid. Do you want me to explain it? Stupid. You think it's stupid? Why I do you think, think it's stupid? stupid. You can explain what it is, and I'll tell you why I think it's stupid. Just take a game like Super Mario Brothers, and you you imagine the first few times that you've tried it, you had to learn it, and it, obviously your skills ramp up. It takes you a while, uh, depending on how good you are. Maybe you'll finish it within, let's say, an hour. Maybe if you're, you're not as good, it'll take you a couple of hours to, to finish it, especially if you've never played the game before. You're not used to video games. But then after you finish it, hmm, you enjoyed it. There are there's a contingent out there that's just like anyone else that runs a marathon, that does a sprint, that goes swimming. They just want it. Let me see how much faster I can do that. Let me see how fast. Except this one gives you diabetes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so there is a contingent out there, and it's called speed running, and they do hold world records, and they stream them live on Twitch of people who are so proficient at a game that. They learn every single shortcut. They learn these techniques that they they uh, master. They spend hours and hours mastering these little te- techniques that save them fractions of a second in order to beat the world record by fractions of a second. So I 
I don't have a problem with speed running uh-huh. in principle. I mean, there are slinky contests and yo-yo contests yes. and cup stacking. Like, sure. I'm not going to crap on it as an art form, considering there's literally world records. It doesn't records. have to be an art form. It's, it's, it's something else. It's a, it's a competition. It's something that people strive for. My mm. issue is gl- like when they do speed runs with glitches or... Like, oh yeah, like and they do have con- and they do have categories of glitchless speed. Why did you ex- now? Did you interject? Go ahead, explain what that means. So, if you were doing a speed run and you were doing a speed run with glitches, it basically means that you've ran the game so much, or googled, or looked at other videos where you can basically find flaws in the actual coding of the video game to exploit the code base to skip things to error things out to give yourself superpowers in the beginning when you're supposed to not be able to get them in the end. You basically game the game to get ahead. So that would be called a glitch versus playing the game as designed, but as fast as possible, which would be a speed run without glitches where you kind of just do things purest form. Mm -hmm. So you do enjoy speed run. Do you enjoy the glitchless speed runs, which I do as well too. And sometimes I don't like the the glitch ones. I'm like, oh, come on. That's, that's way too much of a, of a quote cheat, right? It right. feels like cheating. Yeah. When times. you take like a 40 hour game and beat it in three minutes, cause you found the one glitch. It's just at the same time, there's, uh, some categories allow it just to see how creative these, these glitches can get. Anyway, how did we get on this, this topic of, of spirit? Oh, uh, hyper mumbling for memorization, yep. speed, uh, listening. And the last thing I want to tie together is that, uh, the sleep scientist, Matthew Walker, he was talking about how, um, he did an experiment with learning with rats mm-hmm. and uh, they put them in the maze and they can actually analyze their brain waves. And if you took the, the, you know, the spectrograph of whatever their, their brain waves and you put it to like something that produced audio output, it would sound like boom, 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 boom. Just for example, when they went to sleep, that same pattern at, uh, came up again at like four, four times speed. Boom, 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 boom. So it's. As your sleep, as the rats were sleeping, there's some type of like time they're speed compression. Through the day. They are they're repeating everything, and they're and it's it's compressed to do it over and over and over again. How could, I love the smile on your face right now. Did you know that? Did you hear that before? No. Cool. Right. Very I, cool. I thought it was very cool. And it was one of the. Re- it was a whole. It was a whole podcast on sleep, on the very uh, big importance of sleep. That's, so, that was a good one too. But the mm-hmm. the key to that one is for the love of God, get sleep. Because yes. otherwise. And the, and it was a lot of talk about the science of sleep and what goes on during sleep, the restorative pro- processes of sleep, and that that one really it 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 made me smile as well too. It made my eyebrows uh, uh, go up because you think about how. Uh, Anyone who has ever taught you something or taught you well has told you whenever you're confronted with a problem and you know you're banging your head against the wall, you always, there's always going to be that one person who has the wisdom and says, take a deep breath, walk away, mm-hmm. go take a walk, eat lunch, come back to it later. And that's kind of their way of, you don't necessarily have to take a nap, mm-hmm. but it's their way of saying to walk away from the problem take your mind off of it to let your mind kind of digest it and work subconscious. Cause as crazy as it sounds, a lot of shit we solve is subconsciously. And it just blows your mind away when you hear that even in sleep, that it's scientifically proven right there in rats that there's, they're learning. But yep. in that, go ahead. And uh, you know, what I think is interesting about that sort of tied almost into what we were talking about at the beginning about sort of working from home and, and things and, 
it's interesting because when you do work from home, you don't have the water cooler talk. You don't have the, the lunch mm-hmm. break talk. You don't have the let's walk and have this meeting. Let's go outside. Let's go to the gym on site. Let's do this, do that. So I'll sometimes, you know, just get up and just walk around. I'll get yes. up and, you know, throw a load of laundry and people will be like, oh, you can't throw a load. You're supposed to be working. And it's like, yeah, but this is my, you go out for a cigarette break. I go put in a load of laundry because while I'm doing whatever that is, I'm still thinking. I'm still yes. thinking, right? And I'm away from the problem. And I can tell you some of the best ideas I've had to solve problems are when I'm walking hobs, when I'm, you know, down here preparing lunch. You're on the can, like everyone else. <laughs> bathroom, bathroom of hippies. <laughs> <laughs> But to your point, it's like I would never have thought about that had I just been sitting there like looking at the problem. I had to, you have to back away and let your mind do that subconscious compression. uh, And then you sort of come out with something on the other side. See how nice this is when, as as I was saying just about a little while ago of how disjointed everything is, especially with the, the style of, of the podcast. It's not disjointed folks. I'm just, you know, it's open. (laughs) It's open enough. Compared to your structured uh, list that you have there, I don't think we even hit one or number one or number two of it yet. No, but um, it was it was something that uh, as I thought about um, as far as uh, just the style of conversation and just talking things out and specifically talking things out without a script, uh, specifically talking things out without a clear clear like we must hit this bullet point, we must hit this bullet point, we must hit this bullet point. We just kind of have the idea of let's just talk and i remember before we even the, the podcast started you were like oh, i'm not especially again uh, compared to chloe i don't know if i'm going to be interesting you know what i mean yep and it's kind of when you, once you do that it's i and i always like tell a, a, a lot of guests like no 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 it's not about being interesting it's just about you talking as you because that is what is interesting it's when that flow happens when the conversation keeps going and it's beautiful because I like to compare it to um, whenever I go see improvisational performances, especially in music, mm-hmm. especially in uh, maybe something of, of a comedy act where things are being worked out roughly right in front of you. Mm-hmm. And they are they also don't know where the hell it's going to land. They're trying to practice something, but it's, it's not perfect yet. Right. And if you think about something like a long form podcast, it really replicates long form conversation in life and you don't go into a barbecue and have a list of five items you want to hit you don't know on your piece of paper Mm -hmm. that you want to talk to every person about or um there is obviously improvisation in every conversation you have with everybody um so i think the podcast you know potentially should be no different yeah, I think a lot of times, myself included, you know, you put a microphone in somebody and all of a sudden it seems like the severity of what you're saying is increasingly higher because there are people potentially listening to you. Hmm. And it's sort of that weird moment where you're like, hmm, everything I'm saying, I need to be comfortable saying to everybody. Sure. And, you know, there are some caveats to it. Yeah. Obviously, it depends what you're discussing. But I think that sort of level of um, awareness that there are people listening that you can't see in different points of in the future freaks people out. I know it freaks me out so much so that I had you remove my last name from some yeah. of the podcasts, which we'll I put back. Yeah. But I have this weird semblance of, you know, interesting. It's more so about, am I saying anything of value? I, I think the other thing too, is as you said, you didn't want to say anything quote wrong. 
you know, or or make or make a mistake. And this is just something on, on a broader thing. This is my uh, a broader gripe. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get on my little soapbox for just a little bit, and I'm gonna get off and then let you uh, get back to your. I want to talk list. about Halloween, I, birthday parties, <laughs> restaurant eating. <laughs> but just the idea of not being able to make a mistake anymore. Of course, there are some atrocious mistakes, but when it comes to conversation, when it comes to people attempting to work out ideas or just work on hard problems, I, how can people work on hard uh to discuss topics or hard ideas if they're not allowed a little bit of like falter room? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's kind of like a, when when you went to go see uh, Chappelle. Mm-hmm. Remember how uh, he asked <clears throat> people to what is it? To, to you had to lock your uh, correct. Yeah, go, that was like one of the first times. So yeah. Chappelle, anyway, I saw him in Chicago, um, probably like three years ago now, maybe two years ago, and um, that was the time where the comedians first started to, and they do now. Whereas depending who they are. They give you a little pouch and you put your cell phone in it and it locks. Mm-hmm. And I, they give you the pouch, but you can't unlock it or something like that. And basically, like you are phoneless while you are watching the performance because it hadn't been televised yet. Chappelle was still working out the material. He didn't want any of it to leak. Um, you know, yeah. he had a, someone had a phone. He saw it. He made a joke, but then they got their phone confiscated or they had to leave because they didn't follow the rules. I think part of it obviously has to do with all right yeah it's probably his special or something that he didn't want it to uh it ended up being the two-part series that mm-hmm. netflix put out maybe mm-hmm. six months ago and then the other part is a little bit of the protection of a work that is not yet done mm-hmm. i think it's it's really it sucks for let's just someone starting out they're they're, they're green they don't know what they're doing they're a rookie mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna bomb Right. And imagine, you know, someone make uh, records their performance. And of course, you know, people are You're free. You're allowed to do this. But here's the b- bigger picture I'm trying to point out is someone records the performance, puts it up and, and look how much this comedian sucks. Bah, bah, bah. Mm-hmm. And, and there you go. Now you've captured that. And then let's say they try to really hammer it home that, oh, I saw this person. They were above above. They, 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 they flopped. Look at how look at the crowd not even responding. Look at them getting mm-hmm. heckled. And, th- and this was like their first or second appearance ever versus, hey, they're just, this is the first time they ever had to like perform on stage with, for, on, for five minutes. Check back with them in five years. Check back on them in eight years. See how much of a monster that he or she has become mm-hmm. in comedy. And then obviously compare it to that first performance. And I think that what a lot of people don't realize is that it is a growing process and to have it be snapshotted and to shame a person for even trying an art form it it's really just it's it's dishonest in a way it's discouraging and it it shows that the person recording does not understand how a creative process works right and i think people if you take the history of comedy court jesters you take the history of comedy in terms of shakespeare comedy of errors and those that know any historical precedence and historical context about theater would understand sort of where comedians play a role and how, you know, comedy is the way they used to say where used to when people, I, I don't remember exactly where this came from. I don't know if it's Shakespeare, but basically I'm going to give you a, a visual image, but basically it's like, oh, when people laugh, their mouths open up and their head, like as almost if you were like the South Park character, the Canadians where your head flops <laughs> the open. Flap, the beady little eyes and, and the they were heads. like, the, jo- the comedian's job is to open that and then shove the truth about the world inside Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. things that make you uncomfortable, the things you don't want to understand, the things you don't want to talk about. 
the real the real stuff because you know the court jesters are one of the things the only protected class the only person who can make fun of the king in a lot of kingdoms and there's validity to that and they serve a a functional purpose so i think the reactionary culture especially against comedians currently is really interesting because they are doing their their job job. is to do what you are now preventing them from doing Mm -hmm. and it's less about being right or being wrong it's less about but it's the idea that People are going to say things to elicit a re- like a comedian's job is to sort of talk about the flaws and the pitfalls and the good and the bad in a funny way to basically get people to to loosen up and address the items that no one wants to address. It's comedy. Um, lately, I feel like there's been an attack on comedy, mm. um, and comedy has suffered greatly because of it. And um, it's really sort of sad to you know to to um, and you you mentioned the Chappelle. So there was I was with somebody at that Chappelle show. And there was a, a, a fairly extensive um, bit line within there that she was uncomfortable with, that I wasn't uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. But I could tell she wasn't comfortable with it. And I was like, do I have to feign being uncomfortable with this? <laughs> I was like, am I a terrible person if I don't think this is bad either? Yeah. Um, I didn't, you know, whatever. And then when I saw that bit come out, it was yeah. a much sanitized, much more sanitized and cleaned up and mm-hmm. shortened bit because it was a very unpopular talk. I think it was the Caitlyn, so um, the Caitlyn Jenner yes. bit. Mm-hmm. Very. And so he really had to. He worked it out. He had he, to work he it read out. The crowd reaction of it and okay. right. So it, you know, so see that sort of come full circle in essence is really interesting. And obviously, there's a lot um, with you know Roseanne Barr and mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not saying that, that these people are right or wrong or it's just it's just an interesting time absolutely especially with um, the reactionary culture both you know you, you made an example of recording but now with you put Twitter in people's hands and you put you know mm-hmm. so you see people constantly making the quote-unquote wrong choice comedians mm-hmm. are not right you see crazy tweets from all sorts of walks of life. And then you put, you know, a Joe Schmo like me in front of the microphone and tell me to talk about things. I'm like, I don't want to say anything. Uh, I don't know what to say. I don't even trust myself tweeting. That's why I don't tweet right. anymore. And that's, and that's why I'm still on my soapbox of, <laughs> of it. it. It's interesting because you brought up a diff, the different mediums, like yep. a Twitter mm-hmm. or something where the text is saved forever on the internet. Whatever, whatever. Um, and how podcasts or just long form conversation itself. And I specifically say uh, long form, longer than 10 minutes, longer than half an hour, because this is how people actually talk. This is how people, when you're sitting around the dinner table, you know, they're not talking in uh, four minute sound bites. Mm-hmm. They're not talking on a, on a, you know, a split screen four panel thing. And like, buzzer, so-and-so, well, what's your view on this? Very interesting. So-and-so who's on the opposite side. What is your thing? So-and-so who's independent and will crap on uh, these two. What is your view of it? You know, because mm-hmm. they're obviously doing it because they're fo- following a specific formula in order to get uh, this this picture in order to make people feel engaged and, or rile them up or play the face, play the heel, whatever. Mm-hmm. So Warren, because this is what who it, it is all for, when you listen to a lot of these, I really hope you, because uh, I did, I, I listened back to some of the first ones when I had no idea what this was going to be. Mm-hmm. And it, I thought it was going to be this. I thought it was going to be more com- com- comedic. But then it turned into, into something else. We're just else. not funny. They're just not funny. I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely not funny. It just turned out that there's really, if you just let people talk, if you, know, if you learn how to talk to people and talk with them and let them talk and learn to listen, really, really, really learn to listen, the, the, 
the the people that come onto on onto the, the to the podcast that we're so uh, blessed to have and we're so proud and lucky and and we thank them all the time for coming. The beautiful parts of them will just flow out of them. It it just comes right mm-hmm. out of them. You just you just let you just let it happen. And I hope you're able to hear that over the course of whether it be a Chloe or a Mike Whitmire or an Adam or a Karen and the, and, and you know I'm just naming people off that I apologize I've even though I have a limited amount of friends and I'm running out of friends I can't list them all we right are now. sort of aren't we in the 40s now oh geez um but we had re- repeats we did so, <laughs> so. we have we're, we're still got 30 <laughs> different people we can't name them all but but all of them if you listen back to them there's just moments of brilliance and 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 it really touches me and it makes me want to keep doing it because I enjoy it so much. Mm-hmm. I love those moments that happen, especially for those people because it's, it's them at, at, at their at most genuine. Right. And it's a genuine conversation and we falter along the way. We fuck up along the way. We say, um, uh, uh, wait. And there's pauses and there's gaps and then people cough into the mic or they bang into the boom stand. Or they burp. <laughs> or they burp. Or they drink on on the mic. Sorry. <laughs> that was me. No, 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 no. Like actually drink. Oh. Drink, drink. Oh. Oh, among, amongst other things. I'm guilty of one, from one episode. It was, it was good bourbon. What can I do? You know? <laughs> All of that being said, it it's because we allowed as as much things to happen, and you know we prefaced everything we we're saying like you know if if something does push the line and we hear something that ah oh, this can probably will get the person in trouble, we will edit it out. But other than that, it just keeps going. And we haven't done that in a really long time. Nope. And that's that's just how good the guests are. That's true. I, that's just how good the guests are. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. As I'm sure you can wrap up. What Did I, you fold it up? Did you put no, it away? No, it's it's there in case it, it. I get the urge to jump back on it on <laughs> another topic. Halloween. Halloween. Really, you're just gonna go right there? Well, what what else is there? Unless you, you, you did you did you want to add anything else to all of that? No. Mm. <laughs> no. Okay, I am off my soapbox. Thank you. You can Thank go you. on. You can go on to the your organized list as opposed to my unorganized, sporadic, just spur of the moment, unstructured. And this is why we're married. Yes. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> so that you just leave. Oh. Sometimes our our living room looks like a laundry mat because clothes just just end up flying. No, that's actually structure. Is that I've really told structure? You over, over and over that as long as I leave, you know, clothes right on that cushion, I know exactly where it is. As disorganized as it Listen, looks. Listen, your socks don't belong on the couch cushion. But, uh, no, no, no. It's 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 an extra shelf. No, not every horizontal surface is an extra shelf. <laughs> Especially the floor. The lowest shelf. <laughs> the lowest shelf. <laughs> and I can't even throw your stuff on the floor because then Hobbs will chew it. Yes. And then I have to deal with that. So it's not, I can't win. <laughs> I can't win. Speaking of Hobbs, mm. so just so everyone knows, in case anyone ever wanted to know, toddler toothpaste has yes. way more xylitol than regular toothpaste. And xylitol is highly poisonous to dogs. I learned that last Wednesday morning. Found that out the hard way. Jeez. To be fair, though, to us, and I, <laughs> just to cover bases. To be fair to us, you weren't even there, but okay. No, 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 no. Remember uh, a few days prior that he got to, like, our toothpaste. And he got, and he, well, he, he, didn't, got he didn't to get the, to it. He got to a part of the Warren's toothpaste. Yes. Like, we saw him nibbling on the container. In other words, for the, all the time that we've had him, he's never done that. Up until, like, that week or two, he has started to uh, uh, sink surf 
as opposed yep. to table surf and pull, you know, toothpaste tubes off of the sink, which, you know, I would say a good, I'm going to throw a guesstimate out there. 80% of people, you know, they leave their toothpaste or whatever on the sink, maybe in a little organizer and their toothbrushes yep. as well, too. And this is like our, like the bathroom by the bedroom. It's not like yeah. the guest bathroom. Um, but to your point, I mean, this week, Hobbs will be seven. Happy birthday, Hobbs. Mm, 49. We, we've had Hobbs for five years. For five years, leaving the toothpaste on the sink has never been a problem. Never. Ever. Until last Wednesday, it became a problem. Reason, for whatever reason, he, he just, he got, he's getting bored enough. So to, to set the stage, I work from home. We've talked about that. <clears throat> and um, Hobbs usually just chills wherever. And I could hear him. So I was on a call, as I usually am. And I hear calls over and I hear like much like the water drinking. Yep. And I'm like, oh, Hobbs, what did you get? And then I go and he literally has licked the tub of four ounces of this infant toothpaste to smithereens. Like it's gone. Like he doesn't ingest, you know, he leaves the packaging as a gentleman does. <laughs> but he ate all of the toothpaste. So I'm not really worried just yet. And I was like, oh, let me just Google it. I mean, I'm sure it's fine. So then I Google it. And then um, in the sort of ripped con- you know, package I'm looking at, I'm like, it says, what is that? Xyl- xylitol. And I was like, why does that sound so familiar? And I was like, isn't xylitol in gum? And I'm like, this is all happening mm-hmm. in my head. And I'm like, isn't gum really bad for dogs? Let me Google it. <laughs> so xylitol. Highly poisonous. One of the most toxic things for dogs. Highly poisonous for dogs. I think it drops their blood sugar immediately. It can Uh, put them into a coma. Oh, yeah. It can kill them. It Um, will kill them. It will kill them. And it can. It will. Um, And, of course, the infant toothpaste, because they don't use, they don't want to use sugar because Mm -hmm. it's for kids. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. have, like, fluoride and stuff in it. So it's really just to train them. It has 30%. Xylitol. And this is very common in, uh, obviously, infant toothpaste. It's uh, uh, common in gums. Yep. Um, Usually the, the sugar-free gums. Yeah, yeah, it's other... a sweetener. Mm-hmm. So I actually had to call, you know, I, I was on the phone with the vet a half hour before this whole debacle because I was because he's itchy. I wanted to get him, like, allergy medicine. What's the dosage for Zyrtec for dogs? I call her back and I was like, so I, uh, you know, I tell her what happened. She's like, yeah, can you bring him in? <laughs> I was like, yeah. She's like, how fast can you get here? Luckily, they're within town. I was like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. She's like, okay, we'll be ready for when you get here. And in my head, so I do two different things. You know this. I either go really, really crazy, crazy worried like that, or I underreact. I don't really have a middle reaction. (laughs) (laughs) I either unreact to really bad situations. You're going to die. Or I (laughs) (laughs) overreact. overreact to really bad situations there's really no tempered reaction it's not part of my chemical makeup so, so I, I was getting all these updates through text message so what which one were you i was underreacting to be fair <laughs> I, I i pictured you like you know with the hands <laughs> up in the air <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing uh so i load him in and he's fine by the way like i go and i don't really like i know it's poisonous but i figured he's a big dog I'm not really thinking about it. I'm just, okay, let's just get you there. And I canceled my meetings for the morning, et cetera. So I get him there and I was like, Hobbs is here. And they're like, okay. Five seconds later, they take him. Like they come up. Is that Hobbs? Grab him, bring him back. And then I'm like, oh boy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, mm, 
This is he jumped. He jumped the queue. This is probably he was at the top of the priority. Queue. Right, like, hey, there's five other dogs in the waiting room. I now just jump the queue. Like, oh bleep, this is probably more serious than I thought it was. Long story short, he's fine. Mm. But when the vet came in, you know, she calls me to sort of the side room and she's laughing, and I was like, "What's going on?" And she's like, "Oh well." Um, you know, we gave him the nausea, you know, to induce vomiting. And so she's like, he's vomiting. She's like, I couldn't really see like, what color was the toothpaste? And I was like, it's clear. She's like, yeah, because like I was, you know, he puked. So we have to like sift through it. And then I got like this giant whiff of bubble gum. So I figured that was it. <laughs> was it bubble gum flavored? I'm like, yeah, probably. She's like, okay. She's like, well, I would normally just like bring him home, you know, give him back to you. But he's kind of sad <laughs> and he's kind of still throwing up. So we ended up, he ended up hanging out for like two hours. Cause I guess they give them, they can give them medicine to induce vomiting and then they can give him medicine to stop the vomiting. Mm. So apparently they just kept saying he was really sad. Well, he went there. Well, he usually loves going he there because he, the he gets cause they cheese. Give him cheese. And he's like, oh my God, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah. He, and, you know, and Hobbs has a very expressive face because he's a lab pit mix. He oh, can. Those eyebrows. Look, he can, you know, I'm sure those he felt like just, betrayed. Mm-hmm. Like, why did you do this to me, guys? Yep. Um, he's a vet, he's a vet favorite, but mm-hmm. uh, he is fine now. So this is a warning to all doggy owners. Toothpaste. Be very, be very careful away. with, uh, Silas Hall is in, uh, uh, gum, mm-hmm. candy, breath mints. So yeah. be very careful w- w- with that. Just just check anything where it has uh, some type of sweetener. See if xylitol is w- one of the chemicals. Um, it is especially for you for small dog owners, like oh, like, yeah. a, like a ten pound dog. Luckily for the the, the dosage that um, Hobbs uh, ingested. He ate may- maybe like a quarter of the tube. I would say it was it was yeah. The so full he had tube. like an ounce, so whatever thirty, you know, thirty percent of an ounce of is. Yeah. He's also uh, seventy pounds. Yep. Versus a, a, a ten pound dog, and not only that, luckily, fortunately, Jess caught him as soon as he had. Yeah. <coughs> soon as he had, he had gotten to, to that, and as you had mentioned in the story, the 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 toothpaste was. He was able to vomit it up, so it was it was within the half hour. Yeah, they so said you have to get them. Was able to. So yeah, so if your vet, if your vet, if your dog ingests anything like super serious, probably dark chocolate. You know, there's raisins, grapes. Like there's a a list. If you if you're not familiar with the list, please check it out. I'm sure there's tons of resources online. You have a half hour pretty much to get mm-hmm. them to induce vomiting. I know that you can do it at home. Hydrogen peroxide, I believe, induces vomiting in dogs. Um, in the past, you know, it's obviously. That's not the best case scenario. I'm sure if you're in the middle of nowhere, you got no choice. You got to do it. Mm. Um, you know, obviously, if you can get them to a vet. But really, Hobbs's saving grace was his size. Yep. If he was a much smaller dog, this probably would have turned out a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So it was only a $150 mistake instead of a probably, you know. Well, you know, you can't put a monetary value on <laughs> No, the, on, but I'm just saying in terms of that, yeah. that could have been bad and much more costly than it was. We kind of dodged sure, a, yeah, yeah, a because monetary Because the next bullet. thing is it caused liver or kidney damage. I forgot what it it's was. A, it's the sugar level. So yeah. there's sugar. I'm sure it affects everything. But the sugar drops the mm-hmm. first thing that happens. So so make sure you, you if you know your, your doggy is a, uh, you know, a table surfer or just loves to chew things even if they drop on the floor. <coughs> uh, please, please take a preventative approach to it. So this is why I can't leave socks on the floor or can't put your socks from the couch to onto fair, the floor. To be fair, he's also been much better with not chewing like 
our clothes or our sandals or our shoes. Now he just brings them up to you. He does. He does. It's funny. There was a, he, it is his new thing. You know, everything changes, but everything stays the same. He now brings me my shoes consistently. And it's like the same shoe. It's like my left shoe of this one pair of shoes that he'll bring me like three or four times a day. It's like, do you not like, he doesn't like bring it to me to drop it. He like goes to chew it in front of me. I'm like, dude, I'm right here. It's like, I just wanted you, you to know. Miss, I, I'm, I I'm want here, you mom. to know. It smells good. <laughs> Can we go for a walk now, please? Please? Anyways. Anyway. Halloween. Halloween. Did we soon. get to Halloween? We didn't get to Halloween. Let's get Halloween to Halloween. Halloween is soon, though. Halloween is uh, Warren's. I think this Halloween is going to be pretty fun. I'm excited. He's definitely, obviously, showing m- much more uh, signs of. Uh, that he is aware of what is happening now. Oh, yeah. So, you know, what do you, what do you use the phrase? He's coming online? Yes. Well, coming online in terms of memory. Yeah, no, he's online now. So uh, he now is learning about what Halloween is, what skeletons are, what ghosts are. And uh, he uh, is now starting to learn about what being afraid is, did which we, is Did new. we mention this on the midweek podcast? We waited. Sure. Did we with Target and the, mm-hmm. he's afraid of the, he, he might have been. May have. All right. Well, then let's not see my mind. <coughs> Too tired. Uh, but it's interesting. So I think he'll be chased. He'll be chased for, for Halloween and. Chased from the Paw Patrol, which he has. I, I didn't want to know all the names of it. What were I you? I think we discussed it before. Right, what were you? Um, like, what were your favorite Halloween costumes as a kid? I was a ninja. I was one too. How old I think were you? I was a ninja. I forgot. I forgot how old I was. Um, the other memorable one was I got to be the Karate Kid back nice. when Karate Kid was was big, and that I think that was one of like my first costumes ever. Um, I think my most memorable ones were when you helped me with the yeah. the Darth Maul face paint. So were you were you like big into Halloween as a kid, or no. it wasn't really a thing? Not really. Not really. I mean, it was. It was just. It was. It, it was, you know, fun to, up until, I guess, like, third or fourth grade to go trick-or-treating. But after a while, That's you it? know, everyone just starts with, I'm too cool for this man, you know? Third so, or fourth grade, that was it? I I think. Honestly, I, we didn't get too cool for it till we were, like, in high school. Yeah. I don't know. Did you did you have a couple of years where you just went with friends and, like, stayed out as long as you could and got ginormous bags of candy? Or? I think so. I can't remember. All right. Which leads me to believe probably Maybe not. <laughs> <clears throat> No, Halloween was a big was a big thing. I mean, I mm-hmm. I, I had done we had done pyre. I was been a pyre. I did like the uncool, like the unladylike costumes. To be fair, not surprisingly, it was like there's a, a difference p- between uncool and unladylike. Well, I was okay, let me list them for you. I was like a pirate. I cool. was a ninja. Cool. I was a ninja turtle. Cool. <laughs> I was a witch. Cool. I was a Power Ranger. <laughs> I was Starting a to see the uncool ones like here. I wore like my Taekwondo uniform or whatever. I was yeah, like a martial art kid. everyone does that one year. Yeah. Then I got older. I was a like a like a zombie hmm. and like a, a wench. Standard. A wench. Uh, what else? And then obviously I was as we are now. Now I was what Becky Lynch. Yep. I was the Terminator, female Terminator. That yep. was fun. Uh, remember, I had like the. The yeah, you metal. had the, the, the cyborg, cool. oh, yeah, yeah, the, T8, awesome. the T-800, whatever Yeah, it thing. was great. It was great. Um, so those were like, I, Halloween was a fairly big deal, I would say, when I was a kid. And I think it was because we were obviously, it was the 90s, so we were unsupervised. And you mm-hmm. can kind of, I just have distinct memories with like my best friend. And eventually when I would take my brothers, of just hours. And we just have so much candy. And we would go as long as we possibly could. Yep. And then uh, you would like take your haul and check it. 
I know we were listening to some podcasts today about checking your Halloween candy. And I think, every, yeah, that's the biggest safety. Right. The thing was, I checked my own Halloween candy, so I don't know how good of a mm-hmm. checker I was. Like, no one else was checking it um, but me. But then you can kind of throw away, like, the icky stuff that people, like, the old people would give you. Like oh, pennies, popcorn. pennies and nickels. Popcorn, like, individually wrapped popcorn. Like, they put it in, like, a snack bag. Mm-hmm. No one ever ate those. Like, do they just not know, like, old people? Like, just don't just don't open your door then. Like, pennies, which I guess is fine. We used to get pennies. Well, I think they were, uh, back in the day, I'm, I'm, do they still do it? UNICEF? Do, do they still do that? What? <gasps> you don't know. Anyway, I mean, I know it, what, it was, one school where you had to, like, have the little cardboard boxes. You got yes. people to, yeah, but that's not, yep. what's that? Is that, that was Halloween part of, that was part, Yeah, that was during Halloween. No, I have no idea. So like, uh, they would see, you would either have your trigger, tr- you know, your main bag and you have a little, your little no, UNICEF cardboard box. I would box. not go shilling for UNICEF on Halloween. That's what, that's what we did back in the day. Wow, I had no so idea. So we would, we, would, we would, you know, so people had the option of like, if they didn't have candy, I'm like, oh, you have your little UNICEF box and they, they drop uh, money in there for you. Mm. Okay. So by the end of the, end of the you know. The night, you have a good haul, and also you have a bit of money for you. I remember the boxes mm-hmm. as part of fundraisers for school. Mm-hmm. I never remember them as part of a Halloween thing, though. Maybe they got called out and like, oh, don't do it on Halloween or something. But it was that's specifically what I remember. Interesting. Very, very cool. But yeah, that was back before like the whole trunk or treating thing we talked about this we did remember? we talked about this, was on, this on last a, year last year on, wow. on, on, a, on a midweek podcast we did. and and your whole thing about uh marijuana laced <laughs> candy i so remember we, yes that was that was a good it was a keeper so I, th- I think the the difference this year as as you had had mentioned i would the, share one year too sorry <laughs> i was like the most ladylike i guess we we uh the the biggest difference is as, as you said that we're psyched for warren he's going to be more online and um, I think you you are excited for him. I am. I am. I'm super excited. He painted his first pumpkin. We'll do pumpkin carving this week. I think that they're doing a lot at school with like Monster Mash. And we're reading a lot of Halloween books. I think the holidays this year are going to be really fun. He, for us, he's still not going to remember it. I recognize that. But for me, for me gonna be really fun no i'm i'm, I'm still just uh I, I roll my eyes whenever you say this is the this is the best time well i do enjoy the holidays yep don't get me wrong i don't enjoy the weather okay so i i i will take the weather if, if it <coughs> means me. the holidays are coming what is what is next on your list after uh halloween thanksgiving what, what, were, what were some of the other topics that you want to go over uh birthday parties Oh, right, because Warren's birthday is mm, coming up. Oh, mm, I see how mm, you're smiling. Well, I'm smiling because I'm, I'm thinking back to his first birthday party where he basically, uh, he was um, sick. Remember he had, he had a fever, he yeah. We dragged fever him. Cold. So in, uh, I don't know if it's a Northeast thing. I don't know if it's an Irish thing. I don't know if it's just a... It's the first birthday for a baby right, thing. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. Some people don't celebrate as, as big. So... F- for first no, birthdays, no, no, I, I mean getting sick on your first birthday. Oh, that's, is that a thing? That's what people are telling me. Oh. Like I, I was like, wow, he was sick on his first birthday. I'm like, yeah, it happens to every baby. I'm like, really? No, I, I, just, I, I guess I guess trying to make me feel better. Yeah, I guess I was setting up the setting the stage for like we had uh, his birthday party in like a hall with mm-hmm. you know so, you know 50 people or so, maybe even more. Um, and I was saying that that's like what you do for the first. Usually birthday. make a big deal out of the yeah. first few, right? And I, the second one we're not going to make. There's not going to be as many people. We're just kind of chilling here, but. Um, yeah, but he was sick. He was sick. But he was a trooper. He didn't, you know. He's starting to also recognize um, 
like opening things as far as like packages. We're like mm-hmm. we got a, we got you got a package today. I did. So know? I'm I'm pre buying birthday and Christmas gifts for him. I'm storing them up. But what did he do? He he picked up the package. He brought it in and he wanted to open it. Open. He said it. He goes. Yeah. He goes. Warren, open. Warren, open. <laughs> I was like, nobody. Just, I'll, I'll, I'll open it. I'll, I'll open, open it. it. I'm like, nobody. This is not for I you. I had to tell him. I had to tell him. I go. That is. That's mommy's package. And sometimes there's also dad. And you can't open whatever mommy's or daddy's uh, packages are. You can open yours mm-hmm. when it comes time, and we'll let you know. And then he's he's he was looking for you. <laughs> to see if I, was... I think you were in like another room, and he wanted to. I think he, he was going, "Mommy, mommy," because he wanted you to open because yeah. he wanted to know what was, was in the inside. box. So I am sort of starting to. <coughs> he's easy, obviously, you know, as a kid. So what, what did we get him? I, I'm like worried about saying it. Like he's gonna listen. No, he's not. Um, we got him like I got him like Black and Decker like toddler tool set because you know he wants to play with tools. I'm gonna get him like some more play food for his kitchen and his grill um and we're gonna get him a, a, a balance bike which is like those newfangled bicycles to help them learn really young for his birthday i might hold the black and decker for christmas i'm gonna get a couple things in advance but amazon is is awesome you know what other thing that i really like that he responds to mm. because obviously we say warren come here and he, he doesn't do it you know what he usually does maybe 90 percent of the time mm. when you say hey warren sit up he will sit up. Oh, he will he sit will, up nice will, and straight. Will, will, oh, okay. Oh, all right. Even when he's, you know, zombie deep in whatever cartoon that he's watching, if you say, hey, Warren, sit up, he will still stay in that zombie trance, but then <laughs> just kind of like shift and then, yep, he, no. he, he will straighten right up. And, and you'll you'll start to see little things that sort of indicate that he kind of is learning, um, what's the word, uh, routine. So, hmm. for example, we, you know, we do wash hands, wash face, like after food and things. And I gave him a paper towel to like dry his own hands and his mouth, which he always does. And then I turned around and did something else. And I turned back and I watched him walk to the garbage, open it, put the paper towel in the garbage, close it and walk back Mm. without me saying anything. And I was like, this is how it starts. Mm -hmm. This is how it begins when you don't need to start to say, oh, go throw that out. He just now knows that he's done with it. He can throw it out. You reminded me of one last thing that Ryan and Christy did Mm. when they were here visiting uh, obviously, over there uh, in in the living room, we have <clears throat> a lamp. Yes. Right with a long pole with yes. the three with the three lights on it, and Warren likes to run over to it and and turn on the light and switch it on and switch it off and just like hang on it. And this time he was hanging on it and like spinning around it in his own you know fashion. And then Christy just looked at me. And he goes, uh, "Eck, your only job as a parent is to keep him off the pole." <laughs> What are you doing? I'm like, what are you doing? He's <laughs> and he's there, like giggling, swinging he's giggling, around the swinging lamp, swinging around on the pole. And I'm like, Warren, get off the pole, Warren, <laughs> get off the pole. Uh, anyway, so it was the, it was a pretty good <laughs> rip yeah. around me. So he's definitely starting to 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 do. Oh, and 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 um mm-hmm. um the first topic that we talked about when I was saying that I was hurting and I was doing a DDP yoga. Yes, another person doing ddp yoga too is warren oh it's the funniest thing he can do he what, what is it he, he can downward do, dog downward dog he can do cobra yeah and um what was it he's able to do like a you know deep into a squat he's got the best squat i mean ever. babies in general have oh, the best squat he it's, it's beautiful the, what, what, what's what's <laughs> i think bill bird t- termed it the, the vietnamese gambler squat oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good it's a good oh, one. Oh man 
but yeah, he could do. He he did, did like uh, you know little portions of the routine with me, and I could see you watching like, oh, that's too stinking cute. Oh, and then, but he also <laughs> when he doesn't want you to do it, Daddy, get up. Oh yeah, get he goes, up, get up, get up, get up. And he'll grab he'll, he'll grab him by one finger, and actually start bending it up. <laughs> I'm like, ow, buddy. He goes, get up. <laughs> so it's a little bit of both, but it uh-huh. is it is cute, and it's helping with him gym his gymnastics. <laughs> <laughs> How is his gymnastics? Oh my going? goodness. The kid's not going to be an Olympian anytime soon. No? No. But, uh, but that's the, uh, the the structured part you were saying. Right, right now with like the free thing when he gets to just like try whatever he does, he does well with that, obviously. Yeah, I think everything. So it's um, it's like the first half of this 45-minute, 18-month to 3-year-old mommy and me, daddy and me gymnastics class is like you do things as a group, you run around, you, this was fire prevention week, stop, drop and roll. And you had the parachute and the noodles and all these activities. And they had little like felt fires that you would put on the kid to pretend they were on fire. Oh, and they were supposed to like stop, wow. drop and roll. And Warren just kind of looked at me, but he was not into that part, right? He does not, he's gotten better, but he'd wanted nothing to do with group activity. Then they have like circuits where you would like follow a circuit and you would do like forward roll, swing on the bar, go on the balance beam, do this and like come back around and do it again. And he's getting better at those. But like we said in the past that Warren's gross motor skills are not the best. They're not. He's getting better. But he'll just kind of look at you like, I don't know what to do. So the one thing was like, it was like a horizontal ladder almost horizontal and you would sort of climb across the ladder mm-hmm. and you would see kids like one year old just kind of like trucking through and figuring it out and weren't just kind of like like a cat in water just like freezes and like looks at you is this ladder like suspended up in the air no it's just like across like imagine a, or like a wooden rung ladder like this uh, oh, and you're supposed it's, to like climb up it okay so just just uh, showed it it's at a shallow angle right so imagine like i don't know like two feet to four feet with a ladder in between. That's like, probably, you know, two feet to four feet for us. And, you know, it, it probably looks like 10 feet to him. It's, yeah. What anyway. scared? Oh, my goodness. And maybe it's not gross motor skills. Maybe he's just scared, honey. Anyway, he's doing better. Okay. He's, he's, he's getting better. Obviously, this weekend I'll have to, I'll, I'll be experiencing Well, you'll this, see. So. You let me know. Maybe I'm being too hard on mm-hmm. him. But, uh. He uh, is learning to... Maybe I'll learn that, like, all the, the, that one-year-old is, like, the, the daughter of, like, an Olympian. <laughs> I'm like, of course. Come on. Yeah. To be fair, I think he's on the... It's hard to tell. I feel like all kids between the ages of, like, one and four look the same. Like, I don't really know how old the other kids are. Mm-hmm. They might be closer to three than he is. He's not mm-hmm. even two yet. So uh, he might just be a lot younger than they are, but I can never tell because he has a ginormous head. <laughs> it looks the same as all the other kids' heads. So, like, mm-hmm. in a group, you can't really spot him. He's too stinking cute, as he you would say, though. He's too stinking cute. Were there any other topics that you really, really wanted to get to? Really, really wanted to get to? I mean, none mm. of these are really uh, worn. Like, it's just worn stuff. Like, he's eating really well. I think that's kind mm-hmm. of fun. Eating hummus now. Like, mm. he's a fancy man. <laughs> like, I don't eat hummus. Do you eat hummus? Well, you used to eat hummus, but... I, I did a trick, and it seems to be working. Uh, I don't know. It's, I'm going to let everyone know. When you want your kid to eat something new, don't even try to give it to them at home. Just send it to daycare and let them deal with it. Um, you know, for, for, for those who have the luxury of that is true. sending their kids to daycare. Otherwise, have so. grandma, grandpa come in. Like, just don't be there. Like, mm-hmm. the new food. Because then they, like, I feel like they they see you, and then there's, like, they're fighting over the, f- I don't do any of that. Just, mm-hmm. 
I'd rather him like feel the weird pressure of the other kids be like, I have something cool. Ah, so put it into like a so like a where there's a bit of like social pressure. Yeah. In a sense. So he's that like, makes sense. Everyone yeah. else is eating. Should I eat it? I mean, mm-hmm. there's other things that. So obviously, oh, I they're dipping their stuff in stuff. I hope. Oh, okay, I got something to dip it in. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It worked. Um, I think it also because he's really into dipping things now. <sighs> I guess maybe it's like when we were kids, like older kids, when you're like, ooh, learning to use chopsticks for the first time, he must be like, this dipping stuff is awesome. Yes. It's amazing. I'm glad he's grown up. So, Warren, you know, when you listen back to this, this is what we reminisce on. <laughs> this is what we, 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 we go over, <laughs> almost like a, like a status review port. I know. Of our, all right, doing this now, doing this now. Uh, Got to work on this, et cetera, et cetera. But I think all parents do this, right? Or I is it just so. us? No, I mean, I, they have to, right? I, I mean, do unless do other parents just let them, like, oh, I guess he's doing this now and just, like, leave it at that? Maybe their third or fourth kid. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, they're that like, one? Oh, yeah. When they're like, you know, the, all the kids are it's, older. It's still breathing? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> you know, all the kids are older. They're like, Mom, mm-hmm. when did I first learn to? And they're like, one of four. You're like, oh, when you were, uh, uh, uh. I used to ask, like, I'm the firstborn. And you'd ask my parents, like, oh, what was my favorite food? And they're like, I don't remember. Yep. I'm like, all right, well. Well, now we have, uh, at least with this over here, pointing to the recorder, we, we have some type of log. Yep. We'll see. It's for him. You know, we were happy other people all listened. All this is for you, buddy. But it's for him. So all we always said, if you. no one else listened, but eventually we just have it to give to him, it's, it's worth doing. So we appreciate anybody who's listening and finding and, any sort of value out of what we're saying. And appreciate anyone who, who has to put up with, with me and listening to, to all of this. And also thanking, once again, all the wonderful guests that we, we have on. And speaking of the wonderful guests that we have on, we want to thank you, the wonderful Jessica, <laughs> for being on and for entertaining us and for enlightening us on on the latest on Warren as well as other things. Absolutely. And My we pleasure. will hear from you again. Don't worry. We'll be tapping into you over and over. Oh, yes. This is okay. pressure on, the pressure on you to, to, to help me find more guests, help me <laughs> find more friends, or else you're going to be here again next week and next week. And, and I'm going to just keep saying things where I'm like, I think we said that before. I think we said that before. I can't remember. I'm not that interesting. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Bye, guys. That's right, folks. It's all made up on the spot. This is all improvisation. We don't know what we're doing. And uh, what is that? What's that line? Where the points don't matter. But we still love everyone anyway. As always, you can get in touch with us at Dear Warren Podcast at Gmail, Instagram, and on Facebook. And we thank you for listening and all the support. Once again, we love you all. And we will see you next time with the wonderful Jessica again for the Midweek Podcast.